Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You need to know about your project as much as the delivery manager know. You may not need to know how to write the code, but you still need to know what's happening. You should be able to explain intelligently to a third person what the project is happening and what are the issues, the risks, what are the decisions that are pending. Three, two, one. My name is Espri Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarelli, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail. Do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? Welcome to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. What is going on, everyone? This is Felice Lazay, and I am a producer, singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur, founder of my content production company, Sweet Spot Sounds, and director of community and artist relations at Burville, a Web3 entertainment studio. I am guest hosting for my good friend, Esprit Devora, and I am so excited to be here with you today, chatting with Tulika Biswas, Senior Director of Agile Management Office and Program Delivery at Avid, an industry heavyweight in pro audio and video production, making innovative technology and collaborative tools, including industry-leading solutions like Pro Tools and Media Composer, just to name a few. I myself have worked with Avid for many, many years as an artist, and I am just so excited to be able to chat with Tulika today. I love this company and I'm just so excited to be able to share Tulika's story with you today as a leader in tech at Avid and in the industry overall. So let's get into it. I am so excited to be speaking with you today because I have been collaborating with Avid for years as an artist, a producer and engineer. And so Avid is very dear to my heart. I started my the first DAW I ever worked on was, um, and for those of you who are not audio nerds, DAW is a digital audio workstation where you can record and mix and master music. So I that was the first DAW that I ever used was Pro Tools. So I'm just really excited to have you on the podcast today and get to know 
know more about what you do and just help share your journey for other women in tech who are going down that similar career path as you and kind of learn from your journey. So um, just to kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Avid? Sure. First of all, thank you, Felice, for inviting me for this podcast. This is a topic which is very near and dear to my heart. I am um, I'm a senior director, as you mentioned, as in Agile Management Office. So people who are not in tech world, basically, I'm senior director of the program and the project management office in the IT org of Avid. So um, all the cool stuff that you see, buy, purchase, uh, it is used uh you know, some kind of software that is getting the licensing, the product is getting delivered to you. It's using IT software, and that's where I come in. I kind of try to manage all of all of that uh, project and program and try to make sure that our our products are reaching to our customer uh, safely and securely. So security and all that, all security, license management, everything falls under my purview in terms of project and program management. This is an exciting topic for me and a very passionate topic for me because Avid is inherently, has been a very hardcore engineering company. Uh, We have uh, two flagship products, obviously, for creative products. We have Pro Tools for sound and audio. We have uh, Media Composer for video. We also have Sibelius, which is our creative suite, Sibelius for a score. So uh, very much so, we have always been a hardcore engineering company and technology company. And what comes with engineering inherently is a lot of population of white male. Uh, this nobody's fault, but that's how it has been set up. We, the gender gap is kind of pronounced when it comes to engineering. So that's what we see in Avid as well. So part of my passion project is how we can elevate women in technology and engineering, how we can cross-pollinate among different groups so that they have opportunity to learn with each other and from each other. Um, We can lend each other a hand. We can uh, lean in to ask for help and creating that atmosphere in Avid. So that's some of the things that I've been doing as part of, uh, you know, as part of Avid culture that I'm trying to build in in here. So I'm very excited to be here and to talk about what we are doing and we are doing as part of Avid, how Avid has been supporting uh, in making things happen in this direction. I love all of that. I mean, as a woman of color myself, like I completely relate to what you're talking about, um, especially coming up in the music industry. um, My first dip into it was recording studios where, again, it was very male dominated, a lot of male toxicity that I had to deal with uh, myself. So I can really, and nothing against the men out there. It's just that it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's just a framework of the tech industry that I think is, I, I think is shifting. I hope is shifting and I want to be part of that shift. And that's what we're, we're here to do um, on this podcast. So I, I really, I really am glad that, that you can kind of bring that, um, that insight and that perspective as a woman of color yourself. So being at, being at Avid so many years, you've been at Avid for how long? Almost eight and a half years. When I joined, my daughter was 
one and a half, and now she is ten. So it's been long. I I think that I I personally yeah grew with Avid like my family like you know is such an integral part of me right now Avid and Avid is like an extended family to me Avid is my second family because I'm here because how people are passionate about their their uh, product you see people here working for 20 24 28 years you know so passionate about what they do day in and day out like that's the reason why we stay like it's it's very let's it's unheard of in today's day and age to have these kind of long tenure in a company and the reason that we are all here is a we feel you know we feel really really like part of the whole ecosystem uh, we are growing with our customers together and there's such a good partnership uh, but also I think it's like Avid has always been helpful in fostering that family interaction right supporting us as a new mother when I joined the company I had the flexibility to um, you know a lot of flexibility at that time working from home was not the norm um, but was given to us as like us and these are these are the perks that you cannot put a dollar against right these, these are the, these are the perks which are in this is no monetary compensation uh, to value it against because as a new mother you want to make sure that your baby is fine but also are also able to work and make sure that their work is not impacted. And I think that kind of environment was provided to me here uh, where I could work from home a couple of days a week, and which was amazing. Again, it was not a norm back then. It's now obviously many companies do this, but it's back then it was not a norm. So some of the things that as I've done for me is helping to grow into this kind of level is providing that support, uh, providing that kind of structure, which um, helped me build my family, made my career altogether balance. That's so beautiful. I didn't know this about Avid. Um, that's really good to hear because I think that's a big problem in uh, the United States uh, in general. We don't support women in terms of maternity leave and things like that so that you could still be able to be an executive and be a mother um, because men oftentimes get that advantage of like they don't necessarily, I'm putting quotes up, nobody can see me putting quote, but don't necessarily have to stay at home. That's kind of a, I think, a, a gender norm that needs to change in general. But I, I think that in other countries, uh, there's a lot of other countries that give a way more time and accommodations for women so that they can still, you know, nurture uh, their their children, but also like, you know, stay, stay in the, stay competitive in um, whatever field they're in, especially like a field like tech. So that's so cool. I was going to ask you like, you know, how, how has Avid been in terms of like, you know, it's especially since you're so passionate in terms of like, you know, supporting women. Um, but it, that sounds like right there, um, that was something that was really supportive of you um, at the beginning of your time there. How did you end up at Avid? Like what was your journey to Avid? My journey to Avid was, uh, very typical. I was not looking for Avid. I was looking for a job to move. Um, again, a, like I, I actually came here to do my PhD in the United States. Like I'm from India, so I'm classic qualification junkie. So I kept on studying more and more. I came to United States to do my PhD, which I never finished. So I graduated with another master's um, and I was working with another organization. It was time to change. And, you know, I applied here. This is like, 
again, something that I was very passionate for, and I'm still is, is uh, agile management, which is a new way of, at that time, it was a new way of looking at how you do project management, which is, you know, breaking the, down the project in smaller portions so that you have a regular feedback cycle. And with the time, you know, you don't know how the things will turn up, how the budgets will go in and go out. So I was a very big proponent of doing things swiftly, uh, fail fast, learn from it and come back with a feedback cycle, right? So I, that's what I want to do. I always think of uh, working software more than documentation, right? Um, I believe truly in that kind of uh, mindset where we are showing in a software what we are trying to do rather than in presentation and text. Unfortunately, many a times we have to do both, which is I'm fine with, but I'm still very passionate about how we can show the show instead of talking about the show, right? So especially in software, especially in technology, I, I'm still, I'm my thinking is getting to the point, like show the velocity, look, look into, do multiple demos. So uh, Avid at that time was setting up the Agile management. They actually, we didn't have an Agile management office, but we were looking for somebody who knew Agile and that's where, that was my wheelhouse. Um, and I started, uh, you know, I applied for this and I got and I got support. A lot of things that obviously we were still building in. Engineering office or engineering org was much more into Agile than we were or we still are. But it just helped to build a bridge, right? We we were talking in same language, we were using the same tools, and that's where I came in and helped build the whole team. So I actually joined here as a project manager. So my journey is from project manager to program manager to director to senior director. So it's it's a uh, it's a journey, uh, but uh, I'm very proud of this journey. Like it's uh, you know I built. Uh, the whole team here and we, like it's step by step you see you know it's like building a house like you build for the foundation you put in uh you know you get the right people in which was not easy uh from any direction you know getting people in and kind of getting the whole thing understanding of the right mindset and creating that support system took took obviously some time but uh that's where I started off and that's where I'm, I am today. So I, I think it's very fulfilling, probably one of the biggest things that I've done after becoming a mother, because that itself is, I should, everybody, all mothers should get an achievement award for that. <laughs> Obviously many, not, not taking away from people who are like uh, far parent or not, don't want to be a parent, but that, that requires obviously a different mindset as well. But um this has been very fulfilling for me. Uh, that's why, you know, you see like the reason that I'm here for so long is that I've been given an opportunity to rise, to support, get give, gotten the support from people to do what I want to do, which is also, which change is not easy for anybody, right? And being a woman of color, it becomes that. So you have a glass ceiling, you have another glass ceiling, you have another glass ceiling. So and I, I joke about this, that I don't think in English, right? I think in my own native language and then translate into English and then I come to you. So it, it's not easy. It's not easy for being a woman. First of all, you have to open. It's a very male-dominated field. Technology is. Uh, people don't take you seriously. Project program management as a as 
a role people don't see, take it seriously because they think that you are here just to take status, right? So you have to work that much extra to prove that you are bringing the value on the table. So when you see Elon Musk on Twitter coming in and saying, oh, I don't care about project management, program management, I just need developers. Well, yes, you do need developers, but somebody needs to manage it. Otherwise, you wouldn't know what this developer doing it from that developer, right? There's a reason why these roles exist, right? That thinking is always a very flawed thinking. It's like only technology is ruling the space because guess what? It's not. That's why you are like, and I see that every day, like, development teams are not talking to each other. That's where we come in and say, okay, did you do this? You were supposed to do this. Did you do this? Is that integrating well or not? Did you test this properly? This has to be um, some kind of checks and balances to make sure that people are talking to each other. And we are, especially in technology, when it's like very delicate balance between one software, one application to another application to another application. The journey of you buying a product on Avid website requires more than 10 teams to come together and collaborate. So it's not just one thing. It's a lot of, by the time you get the product and start using it, you are using licensing team, you are doing e-commerce team, you are using uh, people who are actually setting up the product, you are using uh, somebody who is actually balancing, doing the billing, uh, that's all is happening in technology, right? It's not, then you have product managers who need to ensure that the products are built correctly. So there's so many people to, not people, People are not there. It's technology. There's so many technological uh, connection and integration needs to happen to make sure that this is flawless. hundred percent. Like I, I think that those who deal with the infrastructure of companies, um, as you do, are the sometimes the unsung heroes because when it all gets pulled off, you know, everyone's happy. The only time that part is 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 maybe notice is when it's not pulled off. Like right now, what we're seeing with Twitter. <laughs> You know, like um, if there's no infrastructure, it's going to fall apart. It's going to implode. But you only see that when it goes wrong. So it's like if you're doing your job in this in that field, there's no comment, you know, <laughs> but if it's not going right, that's what. So you're you're definitely like part of those unsung heroes. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, really. It's you're like you're like an architect. And I wonder, how did you know that this because I could tell how passionate you are just by the way that you're talking about it. How did you know that this was was your calling. I think that this is a part of of the tech world and just um, the business world in general that maybe a lot of people, women, especially since we're, we're talking about women in tech, may not think about as they're starting their journey in the tech space of getting into the the IT or project management, um, program management side of things, um, may not initially think about that. Do you feel like that? I mean, I, am I correct in that? Like, it's kind of I feel like it's maybe you don't set out. I'm going to be I'm going to be doing this. But then it kind of you kind of get into it and you go, wait, this is really incredible. I like this space. How did you know like this was your calling and what would you suggest to other women um, who are getting into that this kind of uh, part of the field? Yeah, I didn't know it was my calling, by the way. I'm from India. So India, there are two 
two professions, two lines that you do if you're good in education. I was very good in school. I was like the valedictorian and everything, right? So there's two options for me given to me. Either you become a doctor or become an engineer. So there's no other option for me. Uh, so I said, I'm not going to go into a medical field because I don't like to, you know, see blood and sh- all that stuff. So I'm, I just sat in the engineering class and I was very good at coding like that. You know, it's just like it enhances when you are good at something, you know, OK, you know, it makes sense to me. I was very good at maths as well. So even like statistics, it's just like if I could solve something and get a problem, it's just very black and white for me, right? It, it was, it's not what you are thinking. There's always a right or wrong answer, right? Uh, it was easier for me to navigate that. And I think people are wired that way. Um, I was wired that way, right? You know, there's no reason why. I don't know what was the reason, but I'm, I'm still wired that way that where I can, you know, I like things where I have a clear uh, way of, knowing that this is the right path and this is not the right path, right? So I was very good at coding. I was very good at maths. I was very good at statistics. This, But then I was also very good at talking to people. Uh, I was very good at in starting out the conversation. That's also very natural to me. So I was very confused when I was uh, after high school as like, which direction I'm going to go to. Um, so I had... In, like in India, it's a little different. You actually choose which direction you want to go in high school. So you don't study any other. You don't do accounting and all social studies and all that stuff. So if you're engineering, you're only learning physics, chemistry, maths. And if you are in computer science, computer science. So that's what I did. Uh, but at the, I think at the end of the high school, I said, no, I, I don't like this as much. Let me, let me just explore a little bit. So I actually graduate like did my undergraduate education as journalism so uh, i completely pivoted and did journalism where i loved it i was doing very good but i kind of realized that it's very uh, again as i said i'm very wired binary and it was very fluid so i was and that's where i came like all the editing stuff comes from there, right? I was like in my time, which is when I was younger, a <laughs> long, long, long time ago, we would sit with the editor, we will edit with them, we will have beta tapes, sit with them and kind of, so that was my life. Like, you know, go record a whole thing, write the script while I'm in the van and come back and like go and like do sit with the editor late at night and get this thing done so that it's out um, in the news report. That was a life, right? I didn't think that I would sustain that life at that time, but I loved the editing part of it. I love the engineering part of it. And then I kind of said, okay, looks crude, but it is a lot of work and it doesn't pay me enough. All my life, it has always been, I think I can do better than this. So, and uh, and my parents were super unhappy. I'm still the black sheep of the family. It's like, what are you doing with your life? I'm like, I'm figuring it out. So then I kind of, uh, I, uh, you know, in India, you have to take very tough exams to get into B school. So I kind of, I decided to go into uh, B school at that time. Um, I got into a very reputed B school and right up the gate, I got a job in again in technology, uh, which was, uh, you know, paying me shitload of money. So I was like, 
this is it. This looks like I'm going to be here because uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just a lot of money. But then again, I was like, what to do? And I was like, I'm still not there. I still figuring it out. So then I decided like, okay, I wanted to travel. Um, and it's very difficult to travel uh, from India as a single woman until, you know, you have the approval from your parents. And the only way you can get an approval from your parents is through uh, marriage or through uh, education. So I did both. I applied for a PhD program and I also got married to my husband at that time, who I was dating for four and a half years, but uh, long distance. And so I came in here uh, with a full scholarship uh, and joined uh, a PhD program. And I started teaching there as a graduate teaching associate. At that time, I actually did a lot of uh, statistics, a lot of information science. And I, that's where I think it started sticking to me that I'm good at this. Um, let me explore more. This is where I think there is a gap. This is this always like a yin, yin and yang situation. I'm good at this. I'm also, um, you know, it's paying me well, right? It's that there's some jobs that you do just to pay rent. And at that time, that students and for international students, you're really poor. Right. So you start off like, OK, what's paying rent? What's what's you're good at? And the first job I got, like within six months, they promoted me and like, oh, I'm really good at this. So let's just like focus on. And then I found like a way. But if you if you say that this is where like I still am that person who's still looking to do something else. Right. Uh, this is obviously I professionally I want to do. So I think I still am figuring I'm freaking 42 years old but still i'm like oh looks like only yesterday i was telling my husband like i'll start djing now and he's like what <laughs> what's happening with you and i'm like i think that will give me the creative like went that's so there's like you know i'm like that person who is you know there is a very straightforward side to me and who is and if you you know, if people who know me would talk about that, that's always been been my dilemma, that I'm very binary in certain things, but very creative in certain things. And I need that creative vent. So, um, so you know, you never know what I'm going to do next, but that's my passion comes from because I think I'm wired like that, that I was good, like, again, very good. And not now was when I was in school, I was very good and uh mathematics i was very good in statistics my minor was in statistics if you tell me to write a paper i will cry but if you tell me to solve a problem i will solve it for you so it, it was a my my education in america has been an eye-opening journey like i wouldn't uh, like exchange it for anything else because all the way growing up till Grad, like grad school because I already had like uh, an MBA degree. I already was working with India for two years, but the education in India is with the per perspective of this is it, this is what you need to do to succeed. Follow the playbook. I was never told to question why, and I didn't question why. I just followed what was told to me. The, I think the only rebellious thing I did was not going to a full-fledged um, engineering school, which my parents were super su upset about, but my dad supported me. That's why I went into, you know, that I tried to do journalism, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of me. I have like so many bylines, like I did good for myself in undergrad. Uh, but that's 
where when I came to America and I was told this is a paper, write your perspective. And I was like, ah, well, I have to, can you tell me what to write? What, you know, and it's such a, like a change and pivot in thinking as to this is the way things are here where professors are sitting with you as your peers, as your colleagues and kind of discussing things. And there are different ways of looking at the same problem and which is such a different way of looking at things than what I was told, uh, you know, growing up. What you're saying, it's so interesting as I've been um, guest hosting this podcast, I've had this this interesting realization that it's for me, talking to women in tech is very similar to artists as well. I think that the entrepreneurial world is very similar in general to being an artist because you're you're kind of a mini um, company as an artist. If you treat yourself that way, you're creating products as an artist, whether it's you're a visual artist or a musician like myself. And what I notice, and it's what's very comforting, is he, in hearing your story and other women's stories um, in this tech space is that the the line, the path to your destiny is not a straight line. There's a lot of twists and turns. And th- and it seems like those that are successful, um, like yourself, are those that are not afraid to be curious and try things and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and then continue to be curious and try things. So I really like commend you and, and appreciate you sharing that that journey, because I think a lot of women and people overall um, who are pursuing a career in tech or being an artist, I'm just going to bring that in there too, because any career where you're kind of trailblazing, it's kind of, you you don't have a straight um, blueprint to follow. If you're going to be a doctor, a surgeon, there's a straight blueprint. But in the, in the tech space, it's very similar to the artist space where there's not always a straight line. If somebody asks you, how do I get into IT? How do I get into program management and project management? Um, it sounds like there wouldn't be like a direct, you know, this is the steps that you take. What would you tell somebody if they asked you like that? If, they, if they, they're very interested in infrastructure of, of companies and they're seeing, not to keep bagging on Twitter, but Twitter imploding right now and they're going, man, infrastructure is important. I'm sure a lot of people are realize, realizing that now, seeing it so publicly play out. What would you say to someone, you know, coming to you, especially a, another woman and woman of color who wants to get into a space like this? It's a very good question. I think um, it, so. There are a couple of ways of coming into, like obviously, technology. You can do your MS in IT. If you are not, uh, you know, that's the two years. That's a more formal program. Uh, going into data is like there are fields that are exploding right now. Which is one is data, the other one is security. So you go into like this MS programs, which are focused on cybersecurity um, or data engineer. If you are like, if you like, if you're good at mathematics, if you're good at arithmetic, if you're good at like coding and stuff, you can always learn all these languages. If you don't want to do like the two years uh, masters or, or four years undergrad focusing on uh, 
on this than um, you know majoring in this, um, then you can obviously do like there are so many free courses that are available through Udemy, through LinkedIn, like just walk in like if you are interested in cloud computing, if you're interested in any kind of um, data engineering statistics, you can do that. Um, for for broad, broad program management, a couple of certifications, which are really, I think it's it's relatively easy to get um, and is very beneficial. So, but um, so like, for example, your CSM, which is Certified Scrum Master for Agile and uh, Certified Product Manager, then you can do lean uh, training. You can do uh, scaled Agile framework training. All of them are uh, you know, two to three days course and you have to take a test and you can like put it in there. Uh, but I think to get in is easier than to survive. And project management and program management, there are things that you need to have. One is a very organized perspective, right? You cannot be a blah person. You have to have like the structured way of approaching things if you don't do that then probably this is not your field you know then the other thing that you have to have is a thick skin because more often than not you become like that person who who is easier to point a finger at like oh this person didn't do i did not know do this because this person meant to. so you have to have all your ducks in the row you have to have your communication plan in the row a lot of it uh, I don't know whether I can see it, say it in this podcast, but a lot of the work is not sexy. It's a lot of administration work, like you know, setting a meeting, taking notes, all that stuff, not technology at all. You know, those things you should be ready to do. If if you think that that's not the way that you want to do, then, then uh, probably this is not your field, right? But then there are other project program management tools. Like when I hire, I need person who's, very good, very, very good at a couple of tools. Like they need to know how to do pivots in Excel. That's my first question. Do you know how to draw a pivot in an Excel? Because there's a lot of data that needs to go in and go out, uh, especially like when I'm managing a project, right? So Excel, Jira is one of the tools that we use, um, how to kind of build a project in Jira, how to track it, how to um, develop different dashboards. We are using Smartsheet now. So all these different PMing tool, you need to be an expert on to get to, and the tools change, right? Today, this is one tool, and the, tomorrow, that can be some something else. But you need to have the uh, openness to adopt to a different tool. And that would mean that you have to go to, like, talk to peers, take that additional step of figuring out what's happening in the world. You need to know about your project as much as the delivery manager know. You may not need to know how to write the code, but you still need to know what's happening. You should be able to explain intelligently to a third person what the project is happening and what are the issues, the risks, uh, you know, things, you know, what, uh, what are the decisions that are pending? All those stuff, right? It's a lot, it's a lot of administration, but it's um, project management, program management is probably, I would say, 90% of soft skills and 10% of hard skills. Uh, if you are good at the 90% of soft skills, you still have to do good in 10% of the hard skills because, you know, everything is now technology, but that's how you do it. If you think that you are able to kind of cross the bridge and kind of do all these things, it's fantastic place to work and to grow. Obviously, there's a 
there's a path, growth path in the whole project management, program management world. Product management, program management is one of the probably uh, sought after technology program management is one of the most sought after job after probably pro product management. So Felice, if you ever want to become a program manager, come on in here, <laughs> project manager. I can relate to you a lot about having that dual mind of creativity and and tech and strategy and math because I graduated high school early and started college. Actually, I was 15 when I went into college, um, turning 16. And I had to take a test for which math class to take. And when I was in high school, because I graduated early, I didn't take calculus yet. I had only had geometry, but when I took the test, I tested into statistics. So I'm like, oh, I never knew that that was special that I tested into statistics. I just thought, oh, I just was always really good at math, which is why my parents were like, if you're going to go into um, the music industry as an artist, you need to get a skill. And so that's where what brought me to um, audio engineering, because I had such an interest in um, production. But for you personally, on your journey, did you have mentors that kind of mentored you the way that you're now mentoring your daughter and other women in tech? Not officially. Many unofficial mentors, mostly men, because I never had a woman to look up to. Uh, like, not that because I didn't want to. It's just that there was nobody there. Even now, there's like, I think it's abysmal. I, I had people, allies, who have helped me and one of, like, one of my... Uh, you know, mentors were, uh, was, was, he's no more. He was in the first organization I worked, which is the biggest organized company in India, Reliance, uh, at that time. Even now, it's, you know, it's one of the biggest in the world. So I worked in that organization, but that, you know, so Kanak Koshi is his name. He would tell me these are the things like the politicking of it sometimes helps. So, you know, he would, he understood my um, strengths and it's just not mentorship, right? You have to have a sponsor who talks about you when you are not in the room. And that's what he did for me. He talked, you need a person who is in the room saying, I think give this to Talika, she will be able to deliver. I, I'll, I'll guarantee that she will be able to deliver. And you need that person who is who's going to sign up your collateral and say that yes, I bet on this guy person. And and it doesn't actually it doesn't matter. It's gender agnostic. But for women, you need that so much more than men because there's nobody who is talking about you. So he did that for me. Um, in Avid, Rob Gonzalez, um, who I, I've worked. He's a fellow engineering fellow, but he helped me. Like when I came and I was new, I worked with him initially. He kind of helped me uh, a lot, not with like politicking or anything, but just like understanding avid world. This is what, you know, we should do, talking about introducing me to the right people at the right time. That was also impo important. So a formal or an informal mentorship definitely will help. That's what I'm trying to do. We didn't, we still don't have a formal mentorship program within Avid, like internal. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to build up as part of my paying it forward because I want, for a very selfish reason, I want more. I cannot, there are no people to hire, like in technology, you know, space. It's just so difficult to hire the right candidate, right people. I want to very selfishly have, give, give opportunity to other women 
who are interested and give them the growth path if, and cross-pollination. Like if they are in audio, they want to go in video, they can sh should be able to do this. They should they, they should be able to rise in the ranks even within Avid where they are and kind of learning from each other. So I think that's that was my my perspective in setting up the whole mentorship program. We are kicking off next week. I'm very excited and I'm very thankful for mentors and mentees who have uh, you know accepted to give their time because obviously we are, this is a we have a hundred percent daily job right which takes a hundred percent of our time this is an addition to that so I appreciate everybody who's kind of been part of uh, agreeing to do this so I was I'm just like a catalyst um, I'm actually getting a mentor as well so it just it just helps in kind of understanding and getting that sponsorship getting that getting that direction um and i think it's absolutely critical i tell to everybody i meet like do you have a mentor if you don't like seek out and may not be a like an officially a mentor but ask people who can give you guidance outside of your work figure out where you connect Paula Boggs, who's our who's our board of directors, and I, I was having a, a conversation about her about her journey into mentorship, and she's like my mentor. Like, I just had to work with him to figure out what's common, and they kind of found out like it might be religion, it might be children, it might be sports. When you have that common ground, you talk outside of sports, you you know that that's that uh, you know person is going to live like you know set you. Uh, set you up for success and that's what you want you want that path to kind of help you because again as i said that this will open the door for you but you still need to survive and for survival you need to prove yourself so you have to do your hard work but you also have sometimes what happens is we do our hard work but still don't get the return this will probably help you in getting to putting you in the right place in the you know right time but I also want to make sure that people understand that networking or mentoring or sponsorship is just a piece of it, right? You you can't rely that you are going to network the entire time and not work at all. You have to do everything. You have to kind of prove yourself, bring your stuff on the table, and then somebody kind of coming in and saying, yes, I believe in her, let uh, her, them, you know, let them, you know, give them a chance to prove themselves. And then um, then it's up to you to prove yourself. So it's a combination of a lot of things. But mentorship is so critical. Sponsorship is so critical. Literally, as you were as you were saying that, a light bulb went off. And I realized I was just thinking back of, over my whole life, a professional life. And my mom gave me a book, which I'm so bad, I can't remember the, the, the exact title of it. But it was a book about when I went to school, um, it went to college at that young age um, about how to find a mentor. And so I, I went, I joined AES, I joined, you know, the Grammys, I joined all these professional organizations, started networking. And now as I look back, what you just said was so key. You have to find not only people that like tell you what to do, not tell you what to do, but help, you know, mentor you on, on, on steering your path, but also talk about you when you're outside of the room. Cause that is one of the things that has been so monumental for me is I've had a lot of incredible mentors who were both women and men who spoke about me outside of the room. Like all of my, like this pot, this podcast, Esprit Devora, I can't even sing her praises enough. Like 
I definitely consider her a man. I don't think we have to also I think it's important like you know like she's a friend of mine but she's also a mentor like your your peers can be your mentors as well I think it's important what you said like formal and informal because it doesn't need necessarily need to be this formal program although those are great too lean on your on your peers for mentorship because like esprit I mean I I tell people all the time I it's like six degrees of separation of all the opportunities that I've been given because of my relationship with Esprit. And that's just one person in my sphere that's done that for me. So I totally agree with you on that. That's something that's, I think, really monumental that I think anyone listening to this really needs to, if you take anything from this recording, this interview today, is what you just said about mentors that speak about you outside of the room, that sponsor you and like endorse you outside when you're not in the room and 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 bring those opportunities you, that is so key, um, especially for women in tech um, where, like you said, we, there's a lot more, I don't know if the word is stereotypes or, or just boundaries to break through and we're breaking through it and it's getting better. And there's still a lot of them that we have to break through. Um, and so I just I just love that so much. <laughs> what what you had to say there about that. You know, as we get close to, to wrapping up here, I, I know you've brought up a lot about being a woman and being a woman of color in this space. What are some specific like obstacles that you have faced in your career that you have overcome that could that I, I just we just want to give something to the listeners that they can kind of latch onto when they're having, you know, facing obstacles? How have you, how have you um, gotten, overcome those, those obstacles that have jumped up in your life? And, and, you know, specifically, like if there's any that you can, examples you could share. So I think one of the things uh, that one of the biggest obstacles for me was language, right? But I'm not just a woman of color, I'm an immigrant woman. So English uh, is not my mother tongue, right? So um, the the way that people and it's not just it's not just the language it's also the cultural nuance that comes with it the way that people talk is different um here um i had this whole thing about um hierarchy like you know in my mind again i'm come from india so we have like oh he is so and so so you they don't have time for you i'm always with that mindset oh is, is it okay to approach that person because that person is at a certain level in the organization? So I initially, I thought it's, no, I shouldn't do that. I, I would be much quieter in a room than I am today. Um, again, same cultural nuance, right? I've been told, speak when your turn comes, you don't speak too much and, you know, use your words judiciously and all that stuff, right? Um, so the way that I kind of, oh, I'm still working on it. It's, I'm not perfect, I'm still working on it. But the way that I kind of overcome that is, uh, you know, bringing, again, same thing, like, you know, doing my homework. When I'm talking, initially people will not listen. But after some time when I'm talking, people would know, oh, She's saying the right, like, there's some value to it, what she's saying. And, and then you ask the right questions at the right time. doesn't matter what language is comfortable. Like, you know, even if you speak in broken English, it doesn't matter. Um, you When you, you know, have the right questions, right background, you know, people will start listening to you. The other thing is what changed my perspective completely is one fine day, I kind of, 
it, it came to me is that nobody else knows about my stuff more than me. No one else. So if you go in a meeting with that mindset, like, you know, it's like, what are they going to ask me, which I wouldn't know? If I don't know, then I have not done my homework. But they should be like, I am an expert of what I am doing. So I should be able to explain to this the way that I want to. You know, I'm I'm not that afraid anymore because, again, that's something that came with American education that where I was sitting with my professors, like sitting with my professors in the same room is unheard of, like at least when I was growing up in India, right? I mean, you always have that level of hierarchy, respect to you towards your teachers. But here I'm like when they, when you can question them. So that's something that came to me like later on is that I, I don't effing care who, what role or position you have. I know my stuff. And I can answer my stuff. And if I have a question and I have to go to the CEO of the company to answer that question, I'll go and I'll ask. I don't care. What are they going to do? They're going to fire me for this? I don't think so. The moment you start thinking about that this is not going to impact your job, most of the things that we don't do and don't take a step because we are already thinking about adversity or negative impact that is going to bring in. But think about it. Like if you're confident about the work that you are doing, if you're confident about uh, the value that you are bringing in, then you should not fear about the longevity of a job, right? Uh, it's going to be here, there, somewhere else. Like you're building up your skill set and what you are building up, it's yours only. Right? No one else to be uh, taking care of. So that's, I think that's where I think things change for me, where I kind of thought about, you know, uh, if I know my stuff, if I can explain what I'm doing, that I shouldn't be afraid of being in that company. And once you get that mindset, you are much better. Again, as I said, like from a communication perspective, I'm still not 100% there. I always think, oh, I need to learn the corporate buzzword because there are people who will just speak in buzzwords. You wouldn't understand what the person said or went and that's like, oh yeah, he spoke great, but what did he say? Nobody understood that. So, you know, speaking corporate is a skill set. The moment you are in corporate, you would learn to learn, oh, let's all get aligned on a topic that we, like, you know, you start hearing all this. Let's get aligned in, in today's session about certain things that we need to ensure cross-functional end-to-end, uh, you know, uh, discussion and holistic approach. You don't talk to your peers in holistic approach. You talk in corporate like that. And this is like a skill set that you need to develop. Uh, it is It is how it is, unless... You become somebody, uh, you know, of power and say, oh, I don't, F it, I don't care. But, you know, that comes with experience. That comes with time and you would learn that this is how corporate language is. One thing that I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise if I was like five years ago, I wouldn't have done this, but uh, like not knowing what I know now, but Five years ago, to break into that clique, I almost forgot that I'm a woman. I have to be like them. I replicated myself to be like the bro zone, right? So I'm with them. I'm talking to them. I'm like, you know, to get into them. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't advise my daughter to be. That's a learning thing, right? You have to be like, you know, conserve your identity as women, you know, still excel, but... At that time, I did not know better. And the only way you could do is like completely forget, forgot, 
forget your gender completely. Like you have to be what they are doing. If they are drinking, you are drinking. If they are swearing, you are swearing. They should forget that you are a woman. And that's when like that helped me, I have to say. But I wouldn't say that that's the recommended path that I would agree. But I'm in the bro zone. That's where would what helped me a little bit in getting to this. I think things are changing now. This was like 10 years, five years before. Things are changing now. Now men are also becoming an ally. They are understanding where we come from. They are respecting the knowledge that we bring. That's different. But for when I was when I was trying to get in, that's what like I did. Like those things, like giving myself everything to myself, kind of forgetting that, you know, a little bit becoming gender fluid in that sense. Like not like I am gender fluid, but I kind of forgetting that there is a gender gap helped me in kind of uh, getting into that clique and then knowing and having confidence that what I know, nobody else knows. This is my work. I need I need to be able to defend it. Otherwise, what, what am I doing? All these things kind of collaboration helped me in kind of getting into where I am today. Um, everybody has different recipe, right? You talk to different people, different people will tell you different recipe. This was my recipe, may not be applicable or may not be replicated uh, for other successes. But as an artist, do you feel the same? Oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> I I mean, just listening to you, my head is like about to fall off of the, my neck. Like I'm like, it's so interesting, all the similarities uh, that I've experienced. And even though we're, in different fields and it's related in that, you know, I mean, obviously I, I'm, I'm, my background is audio engineering. So that's where my, my connection with Avid is. But even now uh, I, I notice that I'm kind of, um, I feel like a little bit of a unicorn in that I'm an artist, but I also know how to speak corporate talk because I've taken a lot of courses on business to, to better understand how to, how to, how to, how to operate as an independent artist. And then in addition to that, because of my tech background, I know how to speak tech talk and getting into web three and getting into those spaces. You were talking about the dev, the bro dev culture. I move in those spaces so easily in web three because of my background as an audio engineer and knowing how to, how to fit in with bro culture. I can, I can be in a room. I so often am in, I feel actually sometimes more comfortable after so many years of doing this, being in a room and I'm the only woman and being, and just, you know, fitting right in, in the, into the bro, into the bro culture, not, but I feel like now though, and, and this is where the growth has come and just owning and understanding who I am as an individual. I feel now I can step into my womanhood. Cause there was a time, like when I was 16 interning at recording and uh, recording studios, I would wear baggy shirts to that point because to just to get rid of my even my feminine, you know, body because I was literally getting hit on. It was toxic. It was very toxic. I look back and I go, oh, no wonder I kind of like got stunted sometimes because I literally was trying to protect myself. I definitely got sexually harassed. No, no, no doubt being in the music industry. I have women that would come to me with really just terrible situations that they went through because I was very neutral. I wouldn't let it get sexual with anyone. And now I feel like I can be a woman and and shut somebody down if they try to take it there and still be a woman and and be like, you have to deal with it. I've got breasts. <laughs> 
you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dress the way I want to dress, and I can still be taken seriously. Not that I'm dressing any sort of kind of way, but I'm dressing. You know, I'm a woman. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 bad. Like, so I would like like to like an off topic on this, but in future, like to talk about safety in the like you know editing world because in the post world because you guys are dingy like studios and all that stuff like and uh, I think that I read a couple of papers about how unsafe it is for women to be like in those places during those times and people are usually high doing stuff like it's just not a very very like safe environment and exactly like again I have been harassed but not like harassment and the reason I can only contribute is like I also lost my femininity completely like I was like with them talking obviously I dress the way that I dress but I never I'm very short so if I wear baggy shirt I'd be like uh, done but I was very like it was an intentional step for me like saying that hey I'm your bro I'm of the generation where uh, there will be serious harassment of women just because they're in like late in office. And I have stories from so many of my friends, like like so many of my friends who have had issues. Um, and thankfully, knock on wood, an avid never have that issue. Never actually, not ever in my corporate life ever had an issue. And if I look back and I think like, what is that that I'm doing different than probably other person? A, I'm very vocal. And maybe that attributes like to uh, to being okay. She probably will not take it easily. And B is like coming into that bro zone. Hey, I'm with you. I'm like, hey, 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 I'm laughing with you. Not that I like it. It's just that it's just how it is. So those are the two things that I can kind of look back and think like why this is a little bit different experience for me. Not to take away with women. Like somebody asked me, like, what would you do if something like that happened? And I'm like, I have never thought about a situation that it would happen to me and it's such a weird thing like growing up in india i was always protecting myself because eve teasing is such a rite of passage like everybody gets teased. the only thing i've been told is like ignore them do not address them because the moment you engage there would be more coming your way they are looking for engagement and i've been told that i don't want my daughter to be that right i don't want my daughter to grow and that's one of the biggest reasons i moved to this country which is another topic altogether is where we are going now but one of the reasons that i moved to this country is that my daughter doesn't grow in the fear that i grew into like absolute fear that something can happen it's like i am saving myself from the entire world it's always always like that it's constant fear of you know, getting groped at, getting, uh, you know, touched, uh, talked differently. It's a constant fear. And I don't want my daughter to grow up in that. And I don't want my daughter to ignore. I want her to stand and say that this is not right. And that's why, like, the whole agency thing that we just talked about, like, it's very important for people to know that this is not right. And this woman will not take it. I think just like what we did here is so important. I hope someone listening to this goes, oh, okay. I'm glad that I'm not kind of going crazy. Like this is not just happening to me. No, it happens to a lot of us and it's, and it's, and it sucks. And I apologize if it's triggering to anyone. Uh, However, it's something that 
like I think the more we talk about it and may and normalize talking about it, the more it becomes out in the open where where it, it it's not this thing that's happening behind closed doors. And the more it becomes like even for men, they get educated that, oh, OK, that's not the way I'm supposed to behave, even if maybe I wasn't raised right, not to put somebody down, say they weren't raised right, but they weren't raised with the knowledge that that's not how you interact with women, bringing it out into the open and just talking about it in a in a normalized fashion where it's not this secret closeted thing that's happening and we don't talk about it is really important. So just to kind of like wrap this up, I wanted to kind of do a quick fire question uh, segment here and ask you a few questions. What is your favorite book? My favorite book till date is Pride and Prejudice. Oh, wow. I love that. Pride and Prejudice is an amazing book. First book I read in my life finished it. I'm still in love with Mr. Darcy, even though he was a dick. But, uh, oh, but, I love yeah. that. So yeah. often I think people feel pressured when you're on a, a podcast and it's especially about tech to say, you know, some technical book or some nonfiction book. But I love fiction. I think fiction is so inspirational and um, is so good for the soul. So I, I love that you that, that that was your pick. What's your favorite podcast or video series? So I have many favorite uh, podcasts, but the current one is uh, Smartless. I don't think I've heard of that. What's that one about? Oh, you haven't? Okay, so this is like Jason Ackerman, Bill Arnett, and uh, Sean kind of coming together and talking about like interviewing all the guests. So I think that's like the topmost podcast that's running now. But my all-time favorite is Serial. It consumed me at that time. And obviously, like uh, Ira Glass, uh, This American Life is like is my comfort zone. The moment I hear Ira Glass, like the, the, his tone, his voice is like, OK, I'm home. That Those are the, like the big ones. Of course, this is going to be my new favorite podcast, Women in Tech. Yay! I love it. I love it. What's your best resource for tech? TechCrunch. TechCrunch is what I go to and read about a lot. Uh, MIT um, and Harvard um, reviews as well, which comes out. So I think those three would be my go-to. I do also go to Gartner. Um, I have subscription of Gartner, so I kind of reviewing all the things. But that's more of a job from it. From what is happening in the world is mostly TechCrunch. Yeah, that's that's a great one. What is your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby is right now, it's sounds very frivolous, is right now is scrolling on Instagram, <laughs> look at different reels, <laughs> on watching TikTok, doom scrolling TikTok videos. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I love dancing. That's like my, my thing. Um, and that's what I love to do. So whenever I have time, I make like small videos with my daughter and that's, that's, like my time, my inventing out time and watching pop culture. We were talking about that earlier before we got on the the, the recording. Um, definitely can relate. Uh, we love the we love our our pop culture. All the there's so many series right now. <laughs> What's your favorite series? So again, um, I just finished with House of Dragons. I loved this House of the Dragon or House of Dragons, whatever. I loved it. Loved, loved, loved. I love. I fell in love with. Matt Smith, he was an amazing uh, demon Targaryen. Oh my God, he's such a great character. I mean, there are obviously people are, there's a lot of not cult, like, you know, appropriate things that happens in the, but that's a fictional story. 
that's a fictional story. Like you can't you can't really like badger me for like liking a character. You know, I love Game of Thrones. I haven't gotten to watch House of Dragon yet, but I can't wait. Um, we just so caught up with uh, all. There's just so much good content now, like visual video content is crazy it's king so it's it's hard to keep up with everything but yeah i'm i i completely that's on my list to to watch during the holidays we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story this has been really amazing and i'm so glad that we've connected and can't wait to support you further in everything that you're doing before we wrap this up um how can this community uh the women in tech community support you the way that uh, we can support and lean on each other is to kind of reach out to, you know, I'm, I'm here, obviously, and I would like to reach out to other people who are listening and kind of create this community where we can learn from each other. Like, it's just like the way I have experience in technology, um, you know, in a specific or, um, you know, field. I would like to know about uh, other things that's happening in other verticals, for example, what's happening in, um, let's say, healthcare and technology or what's happening in um, banking and technology and how women are experiencing technology growth and women growth there. How are we closing the gender gap there? So I think having that community and kind of reaching out to each other, it's extremely important. And that's what I'm seeking out from this group of women who are listening in is like, uh, you know, listen to this and comment. I don't know if there is a subscribe thing, but liking and listen to this podcast will will help obviously to understand different perspective, but also kind of reach out uh, to me if we can. And I I would like to reach out to other uh, women folks who are in uh, leadership positions and are not to help or to seek help. I love that. I love how helping you is helping the community. Um, I'll definitely get you connected and tapped in with the women in tech community. And how can people connect with you? Are you on like Instagram? Um, what are, what's the best way to connect with you out there in the wild? <laughs> Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So until I get my DJ handle, um, in Instagram, I think you can connect me, connect to me on LinkedIn. Uh, my handle is Sulika Biswas. Uh, and you can find me easily. Just connect to me with, uh, and reach out to me uh, with your questions, concerns. I'm always here to help. Obviously, uh, if I can, if you guys think that my advice or, uh, my information is valuable to you. Please reach out to me and kind of, I will, I'll try my best to help. Or, uh, if I think, and as you connect me to other community, I can, you know, I should be able to reach out and see where I can make my connections and reach out when I need help. It shouldn't be a podcast and a done. It shouldn't be a talk and done. We have to, just like the way that we are putting an effort to, do this podcast we have to like there has to be a call to action after this and call to action is like you know getting getting to know each other building on to each other if we if we're building on that community building on that network and uh reach out and help and if like if i'm if i have a hiring back i would like to you know tap into this community and say raise my hand it's like hey guys i think i need this person anybody interested um can you know can apply uh similarly you know 
other things can be done. If I'm doing a mentorship opportunity, if I need a mentor outside of Avid, I would like to kind of tap into this community and say, hey, um, I have this person who's interested in this technology or this field. Can somebody help and kind of show the ropes? And, uh, you know, that, those kind of stuff has to happen. And it shouldn't be just talking about how we are here and how we have reached, but it also should be like how we can pave the way forward for our future generation and pay it forward with our help. So that's that's what I think. That's incredible. You are incredible. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for sharing your wisdom from your experiences uh, with us. And uh, we're just we're just thankful, thankful for all the gems um, and can't wait to connect with you and support you more in the future. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast in this episode. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's Women in Tech vip.com and say hello on the socials at women in tech show on twitter on instagram on facebook you can also say hello to me on the socials at felice Lize. and i will see you in another episode soon remember to take good care of yourself get lots of rest and most of all love yourself hello this is tulika biswas a senior director in it at avid Avid is an Oscar, Grammy, Emmy award-winning tech company that provides technology solutions to make, mix, manage, and monetize audio and video content. I'm based in Burlington, Massachusetts, and you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.